You are listening to You Totally Made That Up, a bi-weekly history podcast about wild stories that, you guessed it, sound like someone totally made them up. But they're true, even if the supernatural, paranormal, woo-woo elements are only true to the people who lived it. So yeah, we tell true stories. We don't go for all that the legend goes or the lore says stuff. We like facts and dates and names. But these, these are the many episodes that we occasionally do between the big ones. And for these, they can just be about legends and lore, but they can have some truth in there too, especially when y'all send us your personal wild stories or stories from your hometowns or ones passed down in your families. If you want to share those for us to read, we are all for it. The crazier, the better. And keep listening for the outro once the episode's done so you know how to get in touch with us. And then sometimes we, and speaking of we, I am Nash. And I am Tiff. We will opt to tell you of things that are too short for a main episode, things that may be topical for the time of year, and that is the case today. Our topic, since it is coming up soon, is St. Patrick's Day. Now, Tiff, are you of Irish descent? Yes. You are? I am. Does that surprise you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because we've... Well, I was about to make a very stereotypical drinking comment, but I'm not going to do it. See, I'm holding back. I'm holding back on an accent, and I'm holding back on stereotypes. Actually, I'm going to talk about a little bit about traditional stereotypical St. Patrick's Day stuff in my part. But no, uh, how far back? Not too far, actually. Like, mm, off the boat, my great-grandparents. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine is on my paternal grandmother it's on her side of the family a couple generations back for her so maybe like her grandparents i think yeah and my dad had before i got digging really deep into the genealogy stuff dad knew more about the irish side of his family than he did the german side initially and so he had chance in a bit this is in a business setting i want to be clear there was some i don't know if it was some sort of adjunct or intern type thing or residency type thing. I can't recall the details, but a woman from Ireland was, he works in healthcare. And so it was at his hospital and he got introduced to her and he was like, oh, we're so happy to have you. We're so glad that you were able to, that you got here safely because she had just arrived. Happy you got here safely, all that good stuff. You know, just exchanging pleasantries. And he said, now remind me, where are you from again? And so she named the city and he said, oh, okay. He said, my mother's side of the family comes from XYZ area. And he said she turned, she immediately turned her head and spit when he named the area. (laughs) And he said, then she kind of went just stone still. It was such a reflex for her. Like, you know, somebody doing, I don't know like genuflecting or saying God bless you after a sneeze. It was just an automatic reflex for her. And I don't know if this was like a Northern Ireland and Ireland situation or just some, there's, there was some sort of history there. But she just some bad blood. Oh, man, bad blood. And he I said, what did you do? And he said, well, we we all just kind of blank like it. What she and Hockaloogie don't misunderstand me. It was like a, you know, like just a quick little off to the side. And she just, she didn't apologize. So I'll give her credit for that. I mean, her, the courage of her convictions was there. <laughs> she did not apologize, but he just said everybody just got quiet and she just got real still. Like, I guess just waiting to see how he would react. 
<laughs> and so he was like, okay. And he just changed the subject and they just <laughs> moved on. I mean, they were in like a hallway, y'all. They weren't outside or something. They were in a hallway at the hospital and she just, just turned. <laughs> so Irish listeners, y'all got a lot going down apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just say that this made me feel like a bad Catholic for not knowing slash remembering a lot of this. I mean, I, I can't really tell you the last time I did anything within the religion, but I did have like 20 years of Catholic focused education. <laughs> so I feel like it should have <laughs> stuck somewhere. But oh well, you know, here we are. This is what we're here for. Education and re-education. All right. So the Feast of St. Patrick is a cultural and religious holiday celebrated every year on March 17th in Ireland and by Irish communities all around the world. And it's celebrated to varying degrees. I think that's a nice way of putting that. And the celebration marks the anniversary of St. Patrick's death in the 5th century. It represents the arrival of Christianity in the country. Now, he was a Roman citizen because Britain was actually Roman at the time. And his father, Calphurnius, was a deacon from a Roman family of high social standing. His mother, Conchessa, was a close relative of the patron Saint Martin of Tours, and his grandfather, Pontius, was also a member of the clergy. He was born somewhere around 386 AD. The family was pretty wealthy, and he ended up being kidnapped by Irish raiders at the age of 16, and he was taken as a slave to Gaelic Ireland. His master, Milchu, was a high priest of Druidism, and that's a pagan sect that held major religious influence at the time. So he spent six years working as a shepherd with Milchu, and during this time, he said he, quote, found God. And while he was there, he had a vision of children of pagan Ireland reaching out their hands to him, and he grew determined to convert the Irish to Christianity. And it's said that he also was told to flee to the coast where a ship would be waiting to take him home. So he did. And um, after making his way home, he ended up becoming a priest. He went to Auxerre, France, where he entered the priesthood under the guidance of the missionary St. Germain. He was ordained a deacon by the bishop around 418 AD. In 432, he's ordained a bishop and was sent by Pope Celestine I to Ireland to spread the gospel to non-believers, you know, all those pagans, while also providing support to some of the small communities of Christians that had already located there. Now, he did not have a lot of formal education, and he was actually quite embarrassed by this given his family's social standing and his own education within the priesthood, but he was very, very smart and very intuitive. So he recognized the history of the spiritual practices already in place by the pagans, which were nature-oriented rituals, and he incorporated those into the church practices. And it's believed that he may have introduced the Celtic cross, which combined the sun-worshipping symbology with the Christian cross. He is said to also have used the shamrock, a, a three-leafed clover, to explain the Holy Trinity to the pagans. And... You know, of course, there's the whole thing with the snakes. <laughs> they were banished by St. Patrick when he chased them into the sea after they attacked him during a 40-day fast that he was undertaking on top of a hill. Now, the snake was a symbol of the Celts and their spiritual elite, the Druids. They inhabited the island of Ireland, you know, a long time before Christianity. 
And so when Patrick arrived, the pesky and dangerous creatures, you know, the Celts and the Druids, were trying to be cast away. So, you know, those kind of the snakes. Now, his true name, and let me spell it for you, was actually M-A-E-W-Y-N-S-U-C-C-A-T. And when I looked up how to pronounce it, so please don't be mad at me. I'm, I'm trying here. It's Mywinsukit. And he later, obviously, became known as St. Patrick. And this is because of the place of his burial. He died around 461 and is said to have been buried in the town of Downpatrick in County Down. So there's the Patrick. Also, he changed his name to Patricius or Patrick, which comes from the Latin term for father figure after he became the priest. So, you know, there's just a quick rundown of who St. Patrick was and what he did within his lifetime. And of course, now we've got parades and green beer and everyone wears green or you get pinched. What do you got, Nash? What have you learned about St. Patrick? Well, I wanted to know about kind of where that, like you were talking about those traditions, like what is up with the wearing green and what is up with other associated St. Patrick's Day things like leprechauns. And I kind of wanted to know about all that. I was also curious about the snakes because I have a family member who's herpetologist. And so I grew up around this house full of snakes. Not roaming free, of course, but there, I mean, there are pictures of me as a child with boa constrictors wrapped around me, but they, the one in particular, there was one female boa constrictor that just adored me and would make a beeline for me. In retrospect, could it have been that I was the smallest target in the room and perhaps with my little, I had slightly bucked baby teeth. Maybe she thought I was a very cute rat. (laughs) Look, look, I don't know. Okay. But the point is, I was curious about the snake thing. It is true. Ireland is not making with the snakes. Says National Geographic, Ireland is unusual for its absence of native snakes. It's one of only a handful of places worldwide, including New Zealand, Iceland, Greenland, and Antarctica, where snake-averse humans can visit without fear. Now, that surprises me about New Zealand. I'm just ignorant about their wildlife, but I always assumed that creepy crawlies from Australia would have somehow managed to make their way over. And yes, I know that they're surrounded by water. Everybody shut up. My point is, Australian wildlife is just so... What's the word? Bold? Is bold Murdery? <laughs> Murdery? Attacky? Arr. You know? they're just, And they're tough. Like, hell, look, if you told me that they swam all those damn miles to New Zealand, I would believe you. I mean, have y'all seen the muscles on a kangaroo and the size of the spiders? Look, they could spin a web rope and throw it all the way to New Zealand Uh and climb over. Like, that is my headcanon in any event. No snakes. That's so bizarre. That's so weird. It's so weird to me. They also don't mention Japan. I'd have thought Japan would have made the no indigenous snakes list and Hawaii. They didn't mention that. I, I'm just thinking, again, I'm thinking kind of islands under their own, those, you know, continents under their own, countries under their own, surrounded by water, those. But it's not 100% true because you got to think that people have them as pets and some folks will just let snakes go. So it's not out of the realm that there aren't snakes out there cruising. It's just that they aren't naturally there. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, Florida here in the U.S. where you could throw the proverbial rock and it'll land near one. But anyway, so why Ireland in particular? Why the no snakes? And were there ever snakes? 
Well, says Nigel Monaghan, keeper of natural history at the National Museum of Ireland in Dublin, who, quote, has trawled through vast collections of fossils and other records of Irish animals, at no time has there ever been any suggestion of snakes in Ireland, so there was nothing for St. Patrick to banish. Okay, but why? I, I, I wanted to know why. Scientists point to our most recent ice age about 10,000 years ago, and after that, snakes grooved along to northern and western Europe, including Britain. How, you ask? As they are an island unto their own as well. This is because there was a land bridge between them and Europe proper until about 6,500 years ago, but the land bridge from Ireland to Britain was cut off by melting ice caps about 2,000 years before that. Now, do they have some reptilian friends? They do. The common lizard, and it happens to be their only native reptile. But there's also something called the slow worm, which is actually a legless lizard. It's estimated that those were deliberately introduced in the 1960s because they were first documented in the early 1970s, says Ireland's National Parks and Wildlife Services. But they're mostly hanging out in County Clare. But back to lizards in general. Could St. Patrick have whiffed and mistaken lizards for snakes? Even though they, you know, have legs. Maybe? Question mark. But no, let's give him more credit than that. It's kind of like you said, scholars think it has more to do with allegorical reasons. Because, as mentioned, you know, the Celts and stuff like that. But also, snakes, or serpents, if you will, are big baddies in Judeo-Christian beliefs and, quote, also linked to heathen practices. So St. Patrick's dramatic act of snake eradication can be seen as a metaphor for his Christianizing influence. So, like you said, that we're all on the same page. The scholars and Tiff are on the same page. Yay, for once. <laughs> all right, more St. Patrick's Day, miss? Don't mind if I do. So, St. Pat, like you said, probably born in England, Scotland, or Wales, just went to Ireland for missionary work. He did not bring Christianity to Ireland, though, because in 431, which was prior to his time there, quote, Pope Celestine reportedly sent a bishop known as Palladius to the Irish believing in Christ. And that, quote, one theory holds that the St. Patrick of Lore is actually an amalgam of two men, the aforementioned Palladius and the deacon's son who first visited Ireland as a slave. All right, next up, the color green being associated with the holiday. And yes, Ireland is called the Emerald Isle, and the countryside is definitely green, green, green. However, originally, the Knights of the Order of St. Patrick wore a color that was called St. Patrick Blue. The thought is that the green thing came up because back in the 18th century, quote, supporters of Irish independence used the color to represent their cause. Makes sense. And of course, the festivities are rooted in Ireland, like you say, and they drifted to other places along with immigrants who continued the celebrations. And here's one that I found really interesting. The whole corned beef and cabbage thing. Because in Ireland, and Irish listeners, write in and let us know if this is accurate. My source says a type of bacon similar to ham is the customary protein on the holiday table. Yay, bacon. We're big supporters here at the show. Mm -hmm. So why do a lot of places go corned beef? Well, as far as America goes, quote, in the late 19th century, Irish immigrants in New York City's Lower East Side supposedly substituted corned beef, which they bought from their Jewish neighbors in order to save money. Yeah. And we actually talked about in the Halloween episode how cabbages were apparently just like everywhere. Everywhere was just <laughs> lousy with cabbages. Just you got to go listen to that episode. I make a killer cabbage soup. That has nothing to do with anything. I just thought I'd share. Okay. 
we would, of course, be remiss if we didn't mention leprechauns. And I will defer to the Irish Post for your quick and dirty rundown if you are somehow unfamiliar. And quote, head out on St. Patrick's Day and you are sure to encounter a leprechaun or two. Known for their snappy green suits, complete with hat and buckled shoes, the mythical fairy folk are the stuff of Irish legend, often imitated by revelers keen to get in the spirit of the occasion. The story goes that leprechauns are traditionally shoemakers who, for reasons unknown, store all of the gold coins they earn from their craft in a hidden pot at the end of the rainbow. Find the end of a rainbow, they say, and you'll find a pot of gold. Better yet, catch a leprechaun and you'll be granted three wishes in return for his freedom. All right, so the article's writer doesn't go into why the association of the leprechauns specifically with St. Patrick's Day. The impression I get is that the holiday has become this kind of catch-all for both stereotypical and standard, if that's the right word, Irish associations, kind of like the shamrock too. But in any event, I'm reading this article trying to see if there is a specific reason, and my, 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 listen to this. Quote, Back in 1989, what can only be described as a leprechaun suit was discovered on Carlingford Mountain in County Louth alongside some small bones and a collection of four gold coins. (laughs) They had my attention. (laughs) Oh my God. Quote, Skeptics saw it as part of an elaborate hoax concocted by bored jokers after one too many pints of Guinness. To their way of thinking, this was just another example of Irish crack. And and that is C-R-A-I-C. And I looked up the definition and the pronunciation, Irish listeners, I swear. And it said crack. And for those who don't know, that is a term for news, gossip, fun, entertainment, and enjoyable conversation, particularly prominent in Ireland. So love the Irish crack. You heard me. I said it. Love me some Irish crack. But back to what is called the naked leprechaun of Carlingford. And, you know, apparently boneless. Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe he's oozing around as a snake, you know, <laughs> with his crack out. He's the slow worm. He's the slow worm. But there were, and are, I presume, believers, quote, chief among them was Kevin McCoilty Woods, a man known to many as Ireland's last leprechaun whisperer. And what a title. That is phenomenal. Anyway, he leads a hunt in the area, but nothing else was found. Old Kevin kept curious, though, and then in 2002, he makes a find. Next to a stone wall on Gann Road in Carlington, there's another little pile of coins. And Kevin says that the coins gave him the ability to communicate with the Kerrig. Oh, Kevin. I checked out how to pronounce that too. Hopefully I did not butcher. And this thing is, quote, a being who served as the elder of the 236 surviving leprechauns secretly living in the region. And I love the 236, y'all. It's not 235. (laughs) No, that's a particular number. No, it's not 200. It's not 250. It's 236. And the article goes on to say that Kevin here, on the second Sunday in May, so not St. Patrick's Day, I'm sorry to say, He will lead the annual Carlingford National Leprechaun Hunt. That sounds like a blast, and I would absolutely participate. Then in 2009, get ready. Quote, The 236 surviving leprechauns in Ireland were afforded protection under the European Habitats Directive. They live at the Slate Rock below Foy Mountain, which is part of the Cooley Mountains in County Louth. 
as a mark of appreciation to the people of Carlingford for getting them protected as a species, the little people leave 2,000 cauldrons around the streets of Carlingford for the hunters to collect. Oh, absolutely, absolutely would participate. 100%, I'm there. It's like an Easter egg hunt, but what with I hope are those little chocolate coins, you know, in the cauldrons. What? Or beer. I, mean, I don't know. What's in the cauldrons? It does not say. It does not say what is in the cauldrons. A protected species. They are a protected species under the European Habitats Directive. Why? Ha okay, why are there still only 236? Don't they breed? Don't they breed? Don't some die? Yeah, but it's holding, it's been holding on to 236 for a while now. Oh. <laughs> so my kids had to make leprechaun traps for school for, you know, right around St. Patrick's Day. And now I feel like we've done something wrong. I mean, they're a protected species. We shouldn't be trying to trap them. Well, we ain't in Ireland now, are we? <laughs> Do we have our own leprechauns then? Are there different species on different continents? So, okay, this, all, this reminded me of, in the episode, and you guys are going to have to go back and listen, it's called Gloria's Drawers. There was Yeti talk. And mm -hmm. this won't spoil you for the episode, but I will just say this. They are protected to a degree in Nepal. Like there's hunting guidelines that you have to adhere to if you go hunting for Yeti in Nepal that to my knowledge are still in place today. I don't know how enforceable it is, but yeah. So that, that reminded me immediately of Yeti hunting guidelines, mm -hmm. but no, I don't think what I, I need to know more about the traps though. Like how did they turn out? How did we make them? What? Like, what do they look like? Um, let's see. One of them, he put together a whole bunch of, like, what the fuck are those called? Like, the pipe cleaners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had it on a, a little string, and then there's a little trap at the bottom, so when the uh, leprechaun goes to try to retrieve the, the little piece of gold coin that obviously oh. he's going to mistake for his own gold coin, then he's going to get trapped. I don't remember what we did for the other one. I think we repurposed some mousetrap pieces. <laughs> Snap the little suckers <laughs> into. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was an interesting little project. I think that's great. Yeah, it's fun. That has my seal of approval. Oh, good. Not, not the owl pellets. Owl pellets. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go digging for bones, but we can try to trap uh, protected species in Ireland. Okay. Just snap that spawn right into. <laughs> I see. I see where you stand on things, Nash. Uh-huh. Good. Good. All right. So there's your, say, we call these spooky snacks. This one wasn't particularly spooky, but, you know, they can't, they can't all be. It's weird. So if, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wacky snack. There you go. It's a wacky snack. <laughs> it's wacky crack. Oh, Wacky hey. crack. Beautiful. Cracks. I'm, I'm working crack into the title of the of this episode somehow. So that's it. Keep listening, and you will hear how to contact us and find us on all the social medias. And you got anything else, Tiff? I think we've covered it. Yeah, that's about it. Happy St. Patty's Day. Happy St. Patty's Day. This is where the catchphrase goes. Thanks so much for listening. As a reminder, you can check out our sources for each of the episodes at show notes, along with any supplemental things we think you might enjoy.
Visit us on our blog at youtotallymadethatup.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Twitter at YTMTU Podcast and on Instagram at You Totally Made That Up. Feel free to contact us on those platforms and you can also email us. That address is youtotallymadethatup at gmail.com.